Discasters. How are you all doing today? I hope you're all having a wonderful week. Uh, so checking in with you all today. So today isn't going to be a continuation of uh, the Bronze Age. Today is a special episode dedicated to the movie Newsies. Uh, Newsies was a film that came out in 1992. Uh, it has cel- it celebrated its 30th anniversary, uh, I believe, like just the other like a week ago, a week or so ago. So I just wanted to do a special episode dedicated to this movie. Um, I'm familiar mostly with the musical version. Uh, the film version uh, diverts, or sorry, I should say the musical diverts slightly from the musical. Um, but honestly, not by much, from what I recall. Uh, but this episode is going to focus mainly on the film. I'm not going to cover the musical, because uh, again, th- there's only really like maybe a couple small divergences between the movie and the musical. Uh, so, I mean, if anything, I'll probably just point them out as they, as they appear more than anything else. Uh, so that's fine. Uh, okay. So first off, I'm going to go over a few, well, so I wanted to try and take on some Disney headlines today, but here's the thing with, so Disney's, uh, the Disney company's, I guess, decision to, be against the don't say gay bill in Florida has of course had ripple effects. Part of that is because uh, a lot of conservatives and right-wingers and uh, people on that side of the, of the spectrum are going on about how Disney is now very woke and all this other stuff. And they're all butthurt about it. And I tried looking at some headlines and, Honestly, they're way too frustrating and anger-inducing, and I just don't want to. I don't want to talk about it, quite frankly, because I I'm I'm just gonna get mad. I'm gonna get mad because it seems like right-wing opinions are taking over like the news, like the news cycle. Like, uh, in terms in regards to uh disney and like i literally just google disney headlines and click the news tab and you have the guardian you have fox business uh bbc nbc uh apparently somebody accused bob chapek of being arrested for human trafficking like the new york post like uh, like all these things are just they're talking about things uh and it seems like the right wing um news cycles are getting a big a big boost lately because like this whole first page is almost entirely right wing uh so yeah i mean people are just mad at disney for progression it seems and i get it because like like i understand because these people hate change and they hate us They hate queer people, and so anything that remotely makes it so that makes it more inclusive is just is bad, and it's frustrating. I'm mad about it because God forbid that they think about other people other than themselves. It's just uh, it's maddening. It is so maddening. But the major thing that kind of is outside of that is that uh, it seems like uh, Governor DeSantis, uh, 
that walking pile of shit uh, has uh, signed a bill to dissolve the private government. Uh, oh, there's an ad on this page. I don't know if y'all can hear it. Uh, sorry. Uh, but they, uh, he signed a bill basically uh, dissolving the private government that Walt Disney World use, uh, has had for ages to kind of self-govern itself. Um, they are no longer, I guess, able to do that. They, the move is expected to have huge tax implications for Disney and further sour the relationship between the Republican-led government and a major political player whose theme parks have transformed Orlando into one of the world's most popular des tourist destinations. Yeah, basically DeSantis is like, I'm super butthurt about this because Disney is being woke and so I'm just going to take my anger out on them. Like, it's... I don't know. It's wild. Like, I, I don't understand these people. I don't understand these people. These people are... I don't understand how they can just exist in this world where if something is different from them or if something they don't understand, it's bad and they need to attack it. And I, 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 I cannot fathom living in a world where that is your mindset. I mean... It's wild to me. It's so frustrating and maddening. <sighs> anyway, I guess on to more happy news, sort of. <laughs> In that, uh, so we're going to talk about the musical. Uh, hold on a second. There it is. So we're going to talk about the musical, uh, Newsies. So this movie came out, as I said, in 1992. Uh, it is directed by Kenny Ortega. Now, if y'all don't know who Kenny Ortega is and you're a Disney fan, how do you not? Because this man, uh, I think I mentioned it on the last episode, uh, has had his hands in quite a few things. So he's had, so he's directed Newsies. Uh, he directed Hocus Pocus. Um, he, I believe, yeah, directed High School Musical. Like this guy is, he's he's got a few things under his belt. Uh, and uh, the Descendants, like the Descendants series, which have been, uh, which took off, which, you know, took off pretty well. Uh, I don't know if any of you have ever seen Michael Jackson's This Is It, which was the uh, documentary that chronicled his, the creation of his last tour that he was going to do uh, shortly before he died. Uh, that's a really good one. Uh, and also worked on, uh, or he, choreo he choreographed for Dirty Dancing. And Ferris Bueller's Day Off and Pretty in Pink. Uh, he also choreographed in uh, High School Musical and Newsies. Like this, this guy's got a hell of an IMDb. Uh, you people know you would know him, basically. Like you would know who he is if you uh, if you've heard of the stuff that he's worked on. Is basically what I'm saying. So he. So yeah. And so I. I don't think I've I haven't seen this movie I think in forever I think I saw it once years ago because I wanted to compare it to the to the musical and watching it and I'm like oh actually this movie is actually kind of fun it's good like the choreography the the dancing queens are very fun uh which I guess is kind of what you can say about anything that Kenny Ortega has choreographed because like when you think back about it like the stuff that he has done there that's the word for them I think is they're fun and I liked it. Uh, 
12 original songs by Alan Menken. Uh, Alan Menken still like coming in hot with some of these songs. And like, honestly, like, yeah, the songs are freaking good. Like carrying the banner is, uh, is a classic of this musical. Seize the day. Also that one, uh, like, yeah. King of New York. These are really good. These are really good songs and like really great numbers, especially in the musical. Uh, so the, the big, uh, I guess you could say like the big, big, uh, name that is linked to this film uh, is Christian Bale, who plays the lead. So he plays uh, Jack Kelly, uh, who later on in the movie we find out his real name is actually Francis Sullivan. Uh, going by an alias, that's fine. Uh, he's uh, he's kind of like the head of the what eventually becomes the big strike movement for the Newsies. Uh, Robert Duvall is in this movie as uh, Joseph Pulitzer. Uh, if you know that name, then... Uh, or if you recognize the name, you'll know that name, of course, from things like the Pulitzer Prize. Uh, is a big time. Uh, or Pulitzer was a uh, was a big time um, uh, uh, newspaper publisher. Uh, who else is in this movie? Um, Trey Parker. I don't think it's the same Trey Parker that I'm thinking of. <laughs> uh, and yeah, so those are kind of like the big ones that uh, kind of stick out in my head. Oh, sorry, uh, Bill Pullman. Uh, he's one of those faces where it's like you'll know him to see him. Uh, he, if you're a fan of Spaceballs, he starred in Spaceballs. Uh, there's that. Uh, but all in all, yeah, I really like this movie. So, the interesting thing to note is that this movie, uh, is, uh, based off of the actual event of the Newsboys strike of 1899. Uh, so at the beginning of the movie, it actually tells you that it actually like there's a uh, like there's a thing that says like based on true events. Now, I've seen quite a few of these movies that say that they're based on true events and half of the stuff that they do in there is made up. However, in this film, uh, there's actually some pretty good precedent for perhaps some minor embellishment in terms of like some of the interpersonal uh, events that happened. Uh, within with some of these characters, uh, like for example, uh, Jack Kelly is actually based off of the leader of the strike, a uh, kid by the name of uh, Louis Belletti, and I say kid because he was eighteen. So yeah, so he's based off of uh, Louis Belletti, who was or also known as Kid Blink, um, who was kind of the one who uh, more or less kind of. St- started this not started the strike but he was the one that really kind of got things going uh he was a charismatic leader uh several newspaper reported speeches he gave at rallies you know he was kind of that he was uh very that i feel like uh jack kelly and uh the friend that he makes uh david jacobs uh were kind of two parts of the same character in that like david was a lot more of the talky guy and then you have Jack Kelly, who was more of the who was more of the charisma, and so I think they kind of took uh, Kid Blink and kind of split him into these two characters, which is you know which is fine. Uh, you have stuff like that. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, in eighteen ninety nine, uh, you have uh, we have the introduction to all these other new these characters. They're all living in kind of like this one pseudo like it's almost like an sro it's almost like a uh like uh one of those kind of social housing things 
Uh, but of course, I doubt that's what it actually is, because of course, this is, you know, the turn of the 19th century, or sorry, turn into turn of the 20th century. Um, and yeah, but we see that these the, the newsies, you know, they this is kind of what they do. They they hang out with each other. They kind of have a they make like a little family with each other, and they go and they sell newspapers and they do what they can to sell news newspapers. The characters in this movie are very fun. They're they're all very they're all very you know they're all very good kids. They're but that's the thing is that they're they're children, because the big thing of this was that uh, these big businesses like the news uh like the newspapers and uh at a, at the end of the or close to the end of the film they make a point of also talking about just in general like the sweatshop kids you know uh coal workers uh i think at one point they talk about like seamstresses and stuff like that but like uh the use of child labor in that time and so that's the thing is like because it, it was cheap it was what it was cheap they would like pick up kids from the street or kids who didn't have a home or whatever and they would just pay them literally pennies to you know uh to sell papers and that's the thing right like that was just what was easy at the time and so what happens is uh the the newsies are going out and they're doing they're doing all this stuff or they're selling their papers uh, Jack meets uh, David Jacobs and his younger brother Les, who come in to join the Newsies one day because uh, David's father uh, broke his arm in a factory and they fired him. They didn't have a union to kind of protect, uh, or David's father didn't have a union to protect him from that. Now, today, we think about that and we're like, wait, so he broke his arm while at work and they just fired him? That doesn't fly anymore for reasons like this because people got together unionized made things like the workers compensation board you know like shit like that happened right for those of us for us working today in order to have rights in order to be protected and to have unions and things like that right so that's why those that's why that exists now uh you see you see it almost every year now with like labor day coming whenever labor day comes around you see people posting about how you have to think you have to thank the people who protested labor uh, labor rights uh in order for that that's why we have the the 40-hour work week now that's why we have weekends you know people can't work us into into submission now nowadays things are changing nowadays uh people are like well okay sure but now we're in a time where and i think it was interesting because during the pandemic i think people really discovered that is that we can't live day to day just working 40 hours a week and then doing nothing that makes us happy anymore like that we can't do that anymore we're living in a time now where this capitalist idea doesn't work anymore if that makes sense not that it ever really worked but the idea of just grinding and grinding and grinding yourself into the ground just so that you can make enough money just so you can pay your rent and eat your food but never experience life like that's the time that we're in now and I think the pandemic uh, really kind of brought that into uh, brought that into the light. Like a lot of people, when they were, you know, when we were all on, you know, government assistance and everything, you know, CERB for us in Canada, uh, we all kind of saw ourselves as, oh, there's more to life than just working 40 hours a week or more. Some people work more than 40 hours a week. Some people have multiple jobs just to make ends meet. Right. And people are exhausted. And so that was kind of the thing is, uh, 
like it, it's it's interesting to think that like just within the last hundred years, people didn't have the same rights that we do now as 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 a workforce. So, one day, uh, uh, or I'm I'm I'm, I'm kind of shifting. Uh, so what happened was, uh, in the in 1899, what kicked off the strike was exactly how it happened in the movie. So I was talking about how the movie does a really good job of, uh, or is is actually a good version of these, um, what's it called? Uh, uh, based on a true story kind of things. Uh, yeah, so this so the movie kicks off the strike because uh, Jack goes up and he finds out that they hiked up the price of the papers. Normally it's 50 cents for a hundred papers, but uh, Pulitzer decided to hike it up to 60 cents per hundred papers uh, because he saw that because he, Pulitzer w- was like in this constant battle against, uh, I believe it's William Randolph Hearst. I believe that's who he's talking about. Uh, yes, William Randolph Hearst. And so, like, they were kind of, he was kind of, like, in competition with him. And so he saw that Hearst was making more money, was doing better financially. And so uh, Pulitzer decided to, instead of making certain cuts uh, to his own salary or cuts within the workforce or whatever, he decided to just charge the Newsies more. And so that frustrated the Newsies because they were already, you know, not in, living in great means. And so the other thing was that they ne- if they don't sell all the papers, then that's it. They basically lose that money. So they don't get the chance to make money back if they don't from what they don't sell, basically. So effectively, if the news if a newsie doesn't sell all their papers, then they're then that's it. They're screwed, right? So the big thing was uh, they realized that they can't just treat us that way, like. Uh, Jack Kelly and David kind of get come together and realize, oh, we need to make sure that, like, you know, we can survive and do this. And so they decide to, you know, start the strike. So there's, yeah, so you get, you get some, uh, there's a bit of, like, interpersonal uh, relationship building between Jack and David in the movie. Uh, David's, uh, David has a whole, David has a full family. He has a mom, he has a brother, and he has a sister and a dad, whereas Jack doesn't. And the thing is that Jack lies to David about his family and his past, saying that they're out in Santa Fe looking for a ranch and stuff, and then eventually he'll move out that way. Uh, his kind of motivation, admittedly, I will say it's kind of a loose motivation. I feel like, uh, I don't know. I feel like it doesn't really need to be there, his whole desire to go to Santa Fe. Uh, because so much of the movie is taken up by the strike and the desire to do that. I think maybe what they were trying to do was just make him a little more, perhaps a little more three-dimensional and just be like, you know, yeah, like he doesn't want to just stay in New York. He wants to go somewhere and see something better and that kind of thing, right? Which I understand, but at the same time, it feels very kind of like, like it's, it only really is brought up a couple times whenever he sings the song Santa Fe that he that we're reminded, oh, yeah, that's right. He actually doesn't want to stay in New York. That's kind of the thing, right? And so I feel like his his main motivation is to help the newsies and everything because he recognizes that that's 
kind of the main thing that needs to be attended to. But yeah, like a couple times throughout the movie, he sings the song Santa Fe because of his longing to leave and go to Santa Fe. Um, and yeah, and so Jack, uh, we find out, is on the run by this guy named Snyder, who is a warden at uh, this kind of this this kind of jail for juvenile delinquents kind of thing. It's it's supposed to be a place to rehabilitate them, but the the main thing is that this house is uh, the warden Snyder basically pockets almost all the money that he makes from the government uh, because the more kids that are in the house, the more money the government gives the house so as to support the kids. But the problem is, is that Snyder keeps a lot of that money. And so the kids are left with very little, if anything at all. all. Right. So that's kind of that whole thing. And so Jack had actually escaped from there and Snyder's kind of really pissed about it. And so he's kind of uh, chasing him down. And so on this first day that David is out with uh, Jack and Les, because David or Jack wants to teach them how to how to sell newspapers uh, effectively, uh, Snyder finds him, he chases him down, and then they end up running away and they end up finding themselves in like this little, uh, this theater, basically, uh, where a friend of Jack's, uh, I can't remember her name. Uh, she's a performer there. Uh, her name is, oh no, oh, I lost it. Uh, oh, sorry, uh, Meta Larkson. Uh, she's kind of like this main sort of, uh, cabaret performer at this theater that she owns. And she's friends with Jack, you know, Jack's a very sweet guy, you know, he enjoys the theater and everything, uh, which I think is kind of nice. Um, and so runs into the theater, we meet Meta, uh, who's like one of the only two female characters in this movie is, it's her. Uh, and then uh, David's sister, who ultimately becomes Jack's love interest in the film. Uh, and then, like, there's there's other women in the in it, like, at near the end when there's, like, the big group shot of all these other, like, sweatshop kids. Because uh, some of the girls, you know, women are obviously, you know, uh, being taken advantage of as well. But, like, there's no real main female characters in this movie. They're all just kind of secondary if not tertiary characters but regardless uh and so then jack or david and les take jack back to their his family's uh, apartment uh jack kind of meets that family and then we can tell that jack is very jealous of david the fact that he has a family whereas jack doesn't or at least he doesn't feel like he has a family even though like eventually the movie kind of pushes this concept of oh here's your found family you know the movies are your family right it's that kind of thing right Anyway, I feel like I'm jumping around a lot. I think I'm back on track. Am I back on track? I think so. Yes, I'm back on track. Okay, so after we see this scene, uh, Jack sings his song Santa Fe after because he laments and everything. Uh, and then we see the scene where Pulitzer decides to raise the prices. And then it's that next morning that everybody discovers what's happened. And then it's that next morning that Jack decides to start the strike. Okay, now we're back. I think we're back on track now. Sorry, I... It's 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 it, my brain just started getting jumbled because I was also trying to include the actual true facts of everything. Uh, okay, so this is where, uh, like I said, this is kind of where things start to get very actually quite factual. Uh, yes, it is true that uh, the J Joseph Pulitzer, the publisher of the world, uh, decided to up the prices from fifty cents per hundred to sixty cents uh, per hundred. I think I said that right. Yes. Uh, apparently, though, it wasn't just uh, 
uh, Pulitzer. It was also William Randolph Hearst of the Journal. Uh, but this is just mainly focusing on the world because I think, uh, you know, that's just uh, because uh, Jack and his crew of Newsies work specifically for the world. So that's just how um, uh, that's how, that's that's the viewpoint that we're seeing. And then from there. Yeah. And then from there, uh, they started their uh, their little strike thing. Uh, you know, just that little thing, just a little strike, you know, something, something small. Just a, <laughs> and then uh, they decide to, so they sing their song, uh, I believe, uh, I, um, The World Will Know, and everybody marches up to the world. Uh, and Jack tries to get inside to talk to Pulitzer, but of course he gets kicked out because Pulitzer's not going to listen to some random fucking newsy. Like, that's not going to happen. Uh but it's fine because they decide to kind of figure out how they're going to work. They decide to spread the news to the other New York boroughs, uh, you know, Midtown, all that jazz, and even Brooklyn. And you, apparently Brooklyn is kind of a tentative place. Uh, it's not that it's uh, – I guess there's like this, sen- like this sense of rivalry between New York, like wherever they – I don't even – it doesn't even say specifically where the world is, uh, like the world newspaper. But wherever that location is and Brooklyn, I guess or there's some interesting rivalry kind of happening there. I think it's just because it's cr- across the bridge. I think that's why. Um, and this is where we meet uh, Brian Denton, who was a reporter for The Sun. So Brian Denton in this film is played by, uh, by a male character. But in the musical, uh, this role is actually played by a woman. Which is interesting because in the what actually happened, or in the like in the true history, there was actually a woman by the name of Annie Kelly, who was a newswoman who was loyal to the strike, who who uh, was constantly reporting on it. Uh, so it's interesting that in the movie they they changed her role to uh, to a to a male character. Or to a male, her they changed her character to a male role as opposed to kept the female role. But then in the musical, they reverted it back. So, yeah. Uh, keep in mind the musical was did come out in 2011, whereas this movie came out in 1992. So I definitely think there's gender politics involved. Uh, just just from the time period. Anyway, so uh, Brian Denton, uh, the reporter decides to talk to all of them and wants to take their uh their i guess their fight to the newspaper so jack and david uh agree and then they decide to head to to head to brooklyn to speak to the leader of like the brooklyn newsies named spot conlon who initially is reluctant to join the strike because he wants to see whether or not the manhattan news manhattan that's what it is the Manhattan Newsies are actually, you know, in it to win it kind of thing. Like whether or not this is, you know, just something silly that they're doing or whatever. So they all get together. They talk. They get riled up. This is where the song Seize the Day happens. Uh, and then they ambush the distribu- the distribution center, which is where the newspapers are coming or is where the, all the Newsies get their newspapers. And, of course, they do see that there are still some kids who are actively doing it. They're actually they're actively going and buying the newspapers and everything and not joining the strike. Now, this is another thing that actually happened. Uh, there were still uh, some kids who tried to still sell newspapers, 
but the 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 newsies on strike would kind of come up to them and be aggressive with them and would like straight up jump them sometimes uh because or they and calling them scabs which is something that they actually use in the film as well and uh yeah so it's it's it was kind of their way of just trying to be i guess forceful with what they felt was right and I get it. Like when you're, you know, when you're a kid living on the street, you know, in that sense, you, you have to, you got to be tough, right? And so a lot of these kids were trying to be tough. Uh, apparently, though, uh, women and girls fared better because uh, Kid Blink uh, would specifically like say that uh, like a feller can't soak a lady. So, like uh, soaking them is what they would say whenever they went and like would beat them up. So, you know, there's at least some conviction there and, you know, some uh, some moral. And so, yeah, they would never, like, actively attack the the women or anything like that. I can't say what happened outside of that because, of course, I don't know. There's nothing really there. But other than that, yeah, uh, they were – so they they went up to uh, the distribution area and they saw that there were a bunch of people still, you know, selling papers. And then they decided to beat them up and just kind of trash the place, basically. Uh, and, uh, yeah, um, a bunch of them and everybody fled because the cops were called. But uh, one of the um, uh, now we're back to the movie. Uh, one of Jack's friends, his name is Crutchy, so named because he has a crutch, uh, gets captured by police enforcers and thrown into the refuge. The refuge being that little juvenile detention center thing that uh, Jack had initially escaped from. So Jack and David go to the refuge. Uh, like in the middle of the night to go and see Crutchy to try and break him out, but Crutchy decides uh, to stay because he feels. Uh, I think it's because he feels like he doesn't want to be a burden to anybody uh, because of his disability. And uh, yeah, I mean, and I understand where Crutchy's coming from, but at the same time, I still feel like just because just because he has a disability doesn't discount his voice, doesn't discredit his voice. But again, it's early '90s, you know, not much we can do about that. The next morning, same thing happens. Uh, Jack and his crew of newsies, striking newsies, uh, go up, see a bunch of them, and then they uh, they try and fight back. But then uh, some more enforcers for uh, what's it called? Uh, there was a trap set by the Delancey brothers, uh, and just as uh, the newsies were about to get their asses kicked and potentially arrested. In Pops, Brooklyn. Yay, Brooklyn. Woo. Uh, in the musical, there's a song called Brooklyn's Here uh, for that part, I think. Now, because of this, uh, Denton was able to report it to the Sun, and he was able to kind of make or at least start the process of putting this whole strike on the front page and on the news, like in the newspapers, uh, which is good. Because now they, you know, they, the newsies feel like there's a bit of traction. And so Denton showcases the fact that they're on the news, they're on the front page of the news. Everybody gets excited. This is where they sing the song King of New York. Uh, they're because they're calling um, Brian uh, the King of New York for assisting them and stuff like that. Uh, and, uh, but here's the thing because of this now, Pulitzer has on the front page Jack Kelly's photo in in mixed in with a bunch of other newsies and so he uses this as a way to try and manipulate things he has the mayor in his office 
He tells the Mary, he's like, this whole thing is happening. How do you feel about a criminal being the voice of this? Because, of course, Snyder is there uh, telling them that, you know, Jack Kelly's real name is Francis Sullivan and he's an escapee of the prison of the, the refuge and everything. Uh, and uh, Pulitzer is calling for an end to all of this and everything. He knows about the rally that's going to happen uh, because the newsies are planning for a rally and they're planning and they're. The plan is to have it held at uh, Meta Larkin's Bowery, which is the, the place where she's performing. That's the club that she owns. Uh, now, this is another thing uh, that is slightly, just slightly different um, uh, in terms of uh, what happened in real life and, and what happened in the film. So in real life, on July 24th in 1899, uh, the Newsies held a city, the, the 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 big rally at Irving Hall, sponsored by the state senator Tim Timothy Sullivan. Uh, apparently, about five thousand boys were attending the rally, uh, along with two thousand from Brooklyn and several hundred others from the surrounding areas or from uh, from the rest of from the rest of the city. Uh, a bunch of local businessmen and politicians addressed the crowd, including lawyer Leonard Sutkin, Frank B. Wood, and ex assemblyman. Phil Wissig. I'm assuming these are big name people. I don't know. Uh, but when the adults had finished speaking, Union President David Simmons read a list of resolutions saying that the strike was to stand until the papers reduced their prices. So at this point, uh, the Newsies were able to actively unionize and able to fight back against everything. And so they actually had standing. In the film, we never actually see them achieve union status. Uh, I think in the musical they do, though. I believe in the musical they made it so that they do finally achieve union status. Uh, but in the film, they don't. However, that still uh, doesn't change the fact that the rallies more or less had um, equal uh, effect, I suppose is the right, would be the right word. Because in the film, the purpose of the rally was to have all the newsies from all over New York City and Brooklyn all attend and kind of get things straight, like what it is that they want and everything. They made a point of saying, we're no longer going to harass people who we're, we're no longer going to go and fight the scabs because that's what they want. They want to they want to see us be this way, be aggressive and all this stuff, be brainless and blah, blah, blah. And so, yeah. And so uh, in the real rally at Irving Hall, that was also something that happened. The newsboys uh, uh, were... Uh, had uh, decided to adopt nonviolent methods of resistance. A uh, bunch of other kids, union uh, union kids, um, spoke at this, and then it, and it all ended in a song, um, which is good. Uh, in the film, similar concept, calling for not for nonviolent means and everything, just demonstrations, and then the and then the movie ended with. Uh, with or not the movie, sorry. The rally ended with a song by Meta herself, who say who sings a song uh, for the boys. I believe it's the song is called "High Times, Hard Times." Uh, yeah. Now, unfortunately, cops come in. Uh, they arrest Jack and arrest a bunch of the other newsies, who are charged with. Uh, I can't. I don't know if they were charged with anything, but they were definitely given fines. Like five dollars each, which in that time was a lot. Either that, or I think it was like two weeks in the in the refuge. Uh, but Brian Denton comes up and says, "Hey, uh, you know, 
Uh, I'm going to pay for all their bails. Uh, I'll deal with it. It's fine. Now, here's something that we don't discover until shortly after. Apparently, uh, nobody, not a single paper, reported the rally, even though the purpose of the rally was for it to be reported. Uh, and I think part of that is because the night of the rally, Pulitzer had a bunch of the other newspaper heads, along with the mayor, in his uh, in his fancy schmancy house, all for a game of cards. And I think that's where he attempted to blackmail everybody into doing into not running the story. So Brian tells everyone, hey, this is what happened. Nobody's running the story. There's nothing that we can do. As far as people are concerned, it never happened. And so that uh, that's really sad for the rest of the newsies. Uh, he tells them all that after after the trial. In the trial, we find out that uh, Jack is being taken back to the refuge. Um, it's found out that his real name is, Fran is Francis Sullivan. His mom is dead. His dad is in prison. Uh, he basically lied about everything. Uh, or at the very least, about his past and his family. So, he's taken to the refuge. That night, a bunch of the newsies decide to try and break him out. But they see that he's being taken by Snyder away. Uh, somewhere else and so David follows them to find follows him to find out that he's taken to Pulitzer's house and it is here where Pulitzer tries to bribe him basically saying it's like hey if you officially work for me I will give you a bunch of money and we don't and I won't send any of your other friends to the refuge that's kind of the ultimatum that he's given basically so, yeah, that's the big thing is that Jack now kind of has this ultimatum, do the thing that he knows is going to get him screwed or screw everybody else. And so he decides to agree. When he's leaving, David ends up uh, kind of separating him from Snyder and, and all them. Uh, but, of course, Jack says, no, you need to go. You have a family to think about, so you need to leave goes back to the refuge uh the next morning they find jack walking out of the distribution center the distribution area for the world dressed in these fine dressed in this fine fancy suit and his image is tarnished a little bit uh and so yeah uh this is i believe a reference to uh to the fact that kid blink uh and David Simmons, uh, who's a friend of his, um, who was the president of the Newsboy Union at the beginning of the strike and treasurer in the second half. But both of them were accused of betraying the strike uh, because I believe it was for similar things in that they were both accused of uh, taking bribes and that sort of thing. Eventually, both Kid Blink and David Simmons actually did uh, step down. Uh, I believe as a uh, as a show of good faith. So it's interesting to see how that was translated. Uh, and yeah, and so yeah, uh, Jack was kind of uh, ridiculed. Uh, David walked up to him and basically was like, "Really, this is what you're doing? You kind of you basically betrayed everyone." Uh, Jack is forced to kind of play it off, even though here's the thing. Here's my thing. In situations like this, whenever you have it where the protagonist shows or where like the protagonist 
seemingly betrays everyone and all this other stuff. I never understand why he doesn't just tell people why. Like, I don't understand why Jack didn't just tell David, even whispers like they're bribing me. I had, I did this because if I didn't do this, then they would send everybody to the refuge. I did it because I didn't want everybody else to get in trouble. Like, like that. Like if he had just said that to David, I feel like everything would have been better. But anyway, it causes drama because narrative. <laughs> Any whoozles. So, uh, yeah. So the rest of the news is are kind of wrestling with that. Like the, the guy that they thought was their leader, you know, they kind of feel betrayed, really. So now we cut to uh, David's apartment. Sister finds this rolled up crumpled piece of paper that Les had because after the rally, Denton brought everybody to this restaurant that I, I think is like a sympathetic restaurant. Like the owner, I believe, is sympathetic to everyone. And he tells them after telling him that nobody ran the story of the rally, he then he also confesses that he is also being taken off the story entirely and being moved uh he is now a war correspondent and so he's leaving the next day kind of thing but he wrote one final article gave it to david and says and said if anybody if anybody's going to read this article i want you to read it kind of thing david however does not because he feels betrayed by like the one person outside of the newsies that he felt like could give them any sort of leverage or power or help and so he's like so, yeah, he kind of crumples up the paper and tosses it. Les grabs it, wraps up a hot dog in it, I think, and takes it home because he saves it for later. Uh, now, the sister finds it, and she finds the, the, the article, begins to read it. David gets mad. He kind of storms out, uh, but realizes what the article is actually meaning, which is basically a story kind of talking about how not just the newsies are dealing with this but it's a, but it's a citywide problem the fact that sweatshop kids are being taken that children are being taken advantage of it's a big article it needs to, and which needs to be uh put out there but they don't know what to do with it yet so uh cut to the next morning and there's uh, there's Jack. He's basically living in like the basement of the distribution center. Basically, the basement of the world, uh, the world uh, newspaper building. And he comes in the next morning, and he f and he hears that the Delancey brothers, who are kind of like these informants for, or like they're kind of like the muscle for Pulitzer, uh, are going to go and mess up David. And so Jack kind of. He wants to do something, but he can't because he knows that his, you know, he knows that everything else is on the line. But he's walking down the street and he finds out, or and he hears a scuffle in an alley, and there is there are the Delancey brothers who are basically wanting to beat up David. But Jack runs up, saves the day, uh, and then kind of shows that you know there he he just can't stay away. Like David literally says, "Guess you can't stay away" or whatever, and so they all then show up at Brian Denton's apartment sh flat, like showing him the, the article that he wrote. And they're like, did you actually mean this? Did you actually mean this article or are you bullshitting? And Brian's like, no, 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 of course I meant it. It needs to, this is a story. This needs to be spread. And so they decide, okay, so how are we going to do it? We need a printing press because uh, we need to, we need to start our own paper and showcase the story. And so that's what they do because it just so happens conveniently 
that in the basement that Jack is sleeping in is an old printing press. And so throughout the night, they decide to print a bunch of pa- a bunch of pieces of paper, basically flyers. They're they're basically flyers, uh, basically talking about the issue in New York City and what's going on, to basically ra- uh, rally up all the other victims of child labor and and child exploitation and everything in all manner of uh, work fields. Uh, we see them distribute these stacks of paper to a bunch of the other newsies. Uh, some of the newsies, of course, being, you know, the other friends that uh, they had. The wild thing is that basically Jack is, like, pretty much forgiven without any sort of actual, like, recourse. Like, there's there, there's no scene where he, like, apologizes and, like, uh, says what he did and why he did it. So it's just kind of like, oh, so you betrayed everybody. Oh, but wait, no, but you're okay because you're doing this thing that helps everyone. I don't know. It's weird. It's, I feel like it's just a piece of information that should have been added just to kind of, I guess, make more sense. I don't know. It's just, it's, it's wild. Anyway, it's not a big deal, but it's just one of those like hanging threads that I feel like they easily could have tied up. But anyway. So now this uh, flyer is going around and Denton decides to take this flyer directly to Governor Teddy Roosevelt, who is basically like, all this shit was happening under my nose. What the fuck? And so, yeah, so there's a cool scene where like he tells Teddy Roosevelt everything. Uh, and then they rally, they rally everybody. Um, and... Suddenly, the Manhattan Newsies are joined by Newsies throughout the rest of New York, as well as a bunch of other child workers citywide. Uh, a song Once for All happens, and then uh, David and Jack are called into the office of uh, of Pulitzer at the very top of the world. At the very top of the world. That's very funny. That's a very funny phrase. Um, where... Pulitzer is like, I don't understand you. I don't understand why, like, anybody who doesn't act in, like, self, uh, like, self-government or uh, with self-interest is a fool and everything. And then David's like, but that doesn't make sense. If you don't act in self-interest, then what are you doing? Because everything that you're doing is not acting in your best self-interest. Your money, like, your your distribution has gone down, like, 70%. You're losing money actively as this is happening. All you got to do is just give us what we want and then you can and then you're fine. That would be enacting in his own best interest. But Jack makes the point of saying he's like, he's not going to do that, because if he does, then he will admit that we have the power, that we have the power to run his company. So it's an interesting uh, sort of, um, I guess, demonstration into saying it's like these companies, these big companies act like they have power but if we as the labor force don't work with them they got nothing it's something that i think that we as the workforce need to remember is that in is that as much as this capitalist society fucks with us and you know kind of wrecks our shit Without us as people to do the heavy, the proverbial heavy lifting for a lot of these companies, what do they have? They don't have anything. They they don't have a workforce. 
uh, I think a prime example of this is with Amazon, like uh, people are starting to unionize against Amazon. And the fact that there is no union against Amazon is in and of itself bullshit. And the fact that Amazon has been trying to stifle unionization is also bullshit. Even though Amazon is nothing without its workforce. It's an online company without brick and mortar areas and people working in those brick and mortar buildings. They're nothing. They're fucked. So, yeah. The thing about this film, when I was watching it, I was like, you know what? This story is very poignant and is very still relevant. And the fact that it's still relevant, I think, is part of the problem. The fact that we still have to think about and fight for just the basic right of, like, paid sick days or paternal leave or maternal leave you know stuff like that where or employers still thinking that they can control every last second of our lives and every, and 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 that and that hustle culture of like oh like if you're not actively working if you're not doing anything then you're not worth anything it's like okay but you got to take a break. It can't be just work 100% of the time. That that's that's no way to live. Right? The fact that that kind of that that whole thing like I understand that this that the story behind the newsies is basically just for acting things as, for asking things as simple as like don't hike up the prices when we can't afford it and we and our and our and begin to struggle even more to live. Like that's that's just talking about pay. I suppose, in some way. But still, like, it's weirdly relevant, even now. And this is something that happened, like, what? Over 200 years ago? Almost 200 years ago? What was it? No. Hun- no. hundred And, like, 120 years ago. Like, 120 years ago, this was something that was going on. Like, this is wild. This is wild. In the grand scheme, this is more or less recent history. Anyway. And so, yeah, so Jack basically points it out that it's like, yeah, without us, he's got nothing. And so he goes and he opens the door and jo- and Pulitzer is just like screaming. Everybody's like, go home, go home. And he's like, they're not going to go home. Like these are like there's a lot of voices out there anyway. And then eventually he just he, he asks them he's because Pulitzer then admits he's like, I made a I I put a ban on talking about all this. Uh, about talking about the strike who published this story whose printing press did you use and jack's like well you know we only use the best so i gotta thank you for that and pulitzer i think pulitzer like like gets this weird sense of like pride or like i don't know he get he, he appreciates jack for what he did i guess i don't know it's weird but basically he's like cool with it and then he uh agrees to the terms and then that's it and then the newsies win. Yeah. So that's kind of the whole thing. Now, as for uh, the strike, uh, the after the rumors of uh, Kid Link and David Simmons' desertion of the strike, combined with their failure to obtain a parade permit, because apparently that was the thing they needed to do in order to march, uh, the newsboys' faith in kind of a leadership kind of faltered um other newsboy other newsies did try and step up but nobody really had the same kind of power and influence as kid link 
But finally, on October 1st, 1899, the, both the world and the journal, because again, in real life, it was, not just the, it was not just the world, it was also the journal, offered a compromise. The price of the newspapers, the price of the 100 papes would remain at 60 cents, but they would buy back any unsold papers. So uh, that meant that uh, any kids who had trouble selling their papers uh, would not be forced to, sale, to sell late into the night and avoid taking the losses for the day. So the Newsies did accept this compromise, and they ended the strike and disbanded the union on August second, eighteen ninety-nine. So that's the so that's the main story. Now the here now the big thing about this is that even though the whole thing only really lasted, I think I think it was only like two weeks or something like that. The fact is is that this one event did cause a ripple effect. The 1899 strikes uh, would later inspire more strikes in Butte, Montana, with the Newsies strike of 1914, and in and in Louisville, Kentucky, with a night with a strike in the 1920s. And then, of course, some decades later, the introduction of the urban child welfare practices uh, led to the improvements of the Newsies' quality of life. So this whole thing definitely had an impact at the very at the very least a little bit and so i think that's what's important and like there's multiple cultural representations of this uh of this event it's been fictionalized in 1942 by dc comics as the newsboy legion uh events of the 1899 uh di- strike as i mentioned uh or as we lead, we've literally been talking about inspired the film newsies uh as well as uh, the Broadway version, uh, which was based on the film, but again, had uh, a few uh, aspects from the original thing come into it. Like, for example, the inclusion of the female uh, uh, writer. Uh, the, the Newsboy Strike is described in detail in the 2003 nonfiction book Kids on Strike. So, yeah, ultimately, this, this one event uh, did at least have something. It at least had uh some impact as for like little bits of production trivia so the budget of this movie was 15 million dollars uh it did only and it only made 2.8 so it was effectively a flop uh which is you know it's kind of a, a a real shame uh yeah negative to mixed reviews uh, but it has it's it later gained a bit of a cult following on home video uh, and I do believe that the Broadway version has gone on to have much greater success uh, the Broadway version again music music by Alan Menken lyrics by Jack Feldman uh, unfortunately uh, our dear dear friend well I say dear friend I mean, I'd like to think he's a friend you know I think he would be a friend uh, Howard Ashman unfortunately was too ill uh from aids to work with ellen on this film uh who would who uh who would die on march 14 1991 uh howard did not ellen obviously and so uh ellen brought in lyricist jack feldman instead now i i i i mean what can we say i mean i'm who knows what it would have who knows what would have happened if it was uh howard instead of jack i don't know Jack's history uh, in terms of uh, lyricism, but 
the fact is is that Howard had a real background in musical theater, and so it might have been entirely different. No idea. Uh, the book of the Broadway musical was was penned by Harvey Firestein, uh, who, if you know, uh, um, if you know Broadway, you know of Harvey. He's kind of, he's, I, I think I'd say, I think I can say he's an he's a Broadway icon. Uh, the musical premiered in uh, September of 2011, uh, and then would go on to win Tony Award for Best Original Score. Um, I believe it also won a few more awards. Uh, well, it was nominated for a fuck ton of awards. Uh, best Musical, Best Book of a Musical, Best Performance by Leading Actor, Best Direction, Best Choreo, uh, which was different. Uh, the choreography of the musical was by Christopher Gatelli as opposed to uh, Kenny Ortega, who, did, who choreographed the film version. Best Original Score. Best Orchestrations, Best Scenic Design of a Musical, that was all in the Tonys. The Drama Desk Awards, it was nominated uh, for Outstanding Musical, Actor in a Musical, Choreography, Music, Lyrics, Orchestrations. Uh, it won Best Choreography and Best Original Score uh, f- at the Tonys and Best Chore- and Outstanding Choreography and Outstanding Music at the Drama Desk Awards. And then at the Grammys, best, it was nominated for Best Musical Theater Album and at the Young Artist Award, Best Young Actor in Life Theater uh, for one of the actors. And yeah, but ultimately, I think it was, I, I would call it a success. I think it's a very fun musical. Uh, there's the there's a filmed version of the musical on Disney+. Plus, uh, So that's available. Uh, if you'd like to go and take a look at that to kind of give yourself at least a bit of a comparison between the movie and the musical small little bits here and there. And I think, but ultimately it's pretty much the same thing. So with that, we are going to move on. Uh, I, I enjoyed this movie. I, re- I really liked it. Um, Christian, uh, Christian Bale, I think does a surprisingly good job. He's only 17 in this movie. He's 17. That's wild. Christian Bale is 17, but he looks like he's, he doesn't look 17. He looks easily in his 20s, like late 20s, early 30s. He looks so old for a 17-year-old. It's wild. Um, Yeah, I don't know. I'd give it like a good solid 7 out of 10. Yeah, it's fun. The songs are good. The music is fun. The choreography is very good, actually, surprisingly considering that uh, Kenny was dealing with a lot with a lot of kids and children. Um, it's not a very diverse movie. It's a very white movie. There's like maybe three black characters, one of which has a speaking role and like one Asian kid in the company and like one Asian kid amongst the newsies. Yeah, it's yeah. But again, I mean, it was the early nineties. So it, I can't, I mean, I can fault it, but I also can't, you know, because it's a product of its age. But regardless, all in all, it's a fun movie. It's good. I would recommend watching it, especially if you're somebody who, like me, likes to watch big corporations get their asses handed to them because fuck them, basically. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, so next week we are going to jump back into our Bronze Age uh, with, oh boy. Okay, it's Fox and the Hound time. It's Fox and the Hound time. I can do it. 
I know I can. I'm going to be an emotional wreck, but I can do it. I believe in myself. I believe I can do it. But then after that, ooh, the next one after that. Actually, the next three after that I'm actually very excited for. Oh, the final four films of this age are, so The Fox and the Hound, which will be next week. And then it's The Black Cauldron, Disney's first PG-13 animated feature. Yo, I'm excited. And then The Great Mouse Detective. Hello, Disney's take on Sherlock Holmes. Hell yeah. Fucking, oh, that's a movie. That's a good movie. And then Oliver and Company. We're back into the musicals. And it's great. And it's basically Oliver. But it's fun and with pets. I'm excited. Anyway, like, ugh, I don't understand. These movies are meant to be considered the darkest age of Disney. But they're all very fun. I mean, the weakest one I can, I think, is probably Winnie the Pooh. But even then, it's still a pretty high bar that is set. Like, I say it's the weakest one, but it's still pretty good. So, like, you know, all the other ones are just great from there, basically. It just goes up from there. So it starts good, and then just goes up. Anyway, I'm excited for Fox and the Hound, even though I know I'm gonna, I'm just going to be sad for a lot of it. But I guess that's just what's going to have to happen. Anyway, I'll chat with you all next week. I hope you all have a, have a good time doing whatever you're doing hope you're all doing okay sending love uh hugs and uh yeah eat your food drink your water take your meds all that jazz and we'll chat next week bye